Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. God forgave me, can I forgive myself? Here's Adrian. I'm Adrian, a grateful recovering sexaholic from Sudbury, Ontario. Hi, Adrian. The topic of the meeting is uh, God forgave me, how do I go? about forgiving, forgiving self. And that was, a, uh, that was a long, challenging journey from me to get from one point to the other. So I'm going to try to uh, uh, simplify that uh, in a, and put it into a you know, five to ten minute uh, time frame to the best of my ability with God's help. First of all, I'll back up a little bit. When I, you know, when I came into this program, I had been living a life of isolation, desperation, fear, insecurity. I was suicidal, didn't want to live. Uh, I struggled with rage. You know, I had fantasies about all kinds of things, including. Uh, wanted to, wanting to take my life and wanting to take other people with me because I had myself so boxed in and I was so full of uh, rage and unforgiveness, I didn't know where to go. The one thing I did know is I didn't want to pass this legacy on to my children. And that's about all that kept me going in the beginning. Early on in recovery, I, I found myself at a a step nine retreat. Now I was nowhere near step nine. I wasn't even on step one at that time, but I found myself on this on this retreat. And in the process of uh, you know the prayer and the meditation, I discovered that I didn't like myself. In fact, it was a little stronger than that. I realized that I was. I was full of this rage and self-hatred. I was out for, uh, we were asked to go out for a walk and sort of meditate, pick a tree and meditate on a tree. And I picked out this tree that was dying, it had branches that were breaking off, and it was all twisted and warped. Somehow I was attracted to this tree. Today I understand why. But as I studied that tree and looked at that tree, I started to understand why the tree the way it was. You see, another tree had fallen and you know, rubbed up against it and damaged the bark. Some rodents had chewed around the trunk a little bit. 
Some kids in the neighborhood had chopped away at it. I really didn't know at that time though, why I was attracted to that tree. But as I studied it, I started to make some sense of why it looked the way it looked. Early in recovery, I went to a lot of meetings. Uh, most of them were AA meetings because we just didn't have SA meetings available. We had one SA meeting a week, and I attended that faithfully, but I got to a lot of AA meetings. And one day I listened to this young fellow story, and it was horrific, you know, abuse, violent, and I'm talking about a young man that was exposed to abuse and violence and alcoholism and uh, uh, sexual abuse and you know the list just went on and I was like oh my goodness like I says what a prescription for an addict you know and from listening to his story I had a little bit of compassion for him like I, you know it, was just, like, it makes sense to me that you know, this poor kid struggles with, you know, addiction. Makes sense to me that, you know, he was lashing out to people. Uh, makes sense to me that he would naturally be isolating. But I, I still didn't have that same, I didn't even have that little engine of compassion for myself at that time. <clears throat> when I got to step four, and... Listen, I wasn't working these steps in any particular order. I don't, I don't recommend it. You know, starting on step nine, and but I, I was a pretty lost individual, and I was at that point in time. It was sort of like the blind leading the blind, and you know, today I'm grateful for the sobriety that's around the programs and the structure and the experience, strength, and hope. But I didn't always have that available firsthand. So I remember working on step four, and, you know, for example, I took my employer, and I was, you know, I was pissed off towards him because, you know, it's like, I didn't like his attitude, didn't like the way he talked to me, uh, didn't like the way he treated me over other, other uh, employees, so forth. But, you know, then I got along in those columns on that uh, step four, and yeah, well, I, you know, I, I was disrespectful towards him, and I had abused company equipment, and I lied about it, and he pretty much, you know, knew that I had damaged this equipment, but you know, I never, I never uh, took ownership for that, and I had stolen money from the company. He, he could pretty well tell by looking at my expense reports that nobody could spend that much money. Uh, and so the list went on, and eventually, you know, I, it made some sense to me that he would be pissed off, and I could, I could let go of it. You know, it was like, uh, so you know, I found out that these steps really work. But when it came to self, and this rage and contempt that I had towards myself, I fully justified how I felt. I fully justified the way I was treating myself. Uh, after all, I had, you know, I had uh, 
completely, you know, destroyed my family. I had, uh, you know, I create. I had, you know, my disease of sexualism had uh, caused a lot of family harm to my spouse, to my children. Uh, eventually, I was divorced. I never planned on, uh, you know, being separated from my children and and having another man, you know, raise my children. And it's like I just, you know, this stuff just raged through my veins. I just, you know, I couldn't accept. I seen myself as a man without any backbone, not being able to stand up for myself, and the list went on and on. I was just driving myself, like, into the ground. Now, when I, eventually, when I looked at step two, Step two is after step one, right? Yeah, well, eventually when I looked at step two and I took a look at my relationship with uh, my belief in a, in a higher power, God as I understand him, it wasn't very pretty. I believed in a God that was unforgiving, rageful, condemning, Always got even. <laughs> and the list went on. It took, and yet at the same time, I believe that your God was loving, forgiving, kind, embracing. But there's a, there was a, um, trying to think of the word I'm looking for. Um, anyways, I was stuck, and I really had to take a, a look at where those beliefs came from, okay? And that wasn't too hard when I got thorough with the inventory, because I had been taught to believe in that God. I had also been taught to believe in the other God, but the other God wasn't the one I was worshiping. So I had a change. And the way that change took place was a change in behavior. I started to surround my people, uh, surround myself around people that were caring and loving and supportive. I started to ask for people for what I needed, started asking for affirmations, and it was very hard to ask a fellow member, you know, John, tell me a few good things about myself. And I started to let some of these things in. I also started doing things like eating a regular meal instead of junk food. Now, what does this have to do with, you know, forgiving myself? Well, it has to do with loving myself and treating myself the way someone would be treated, like you would treat someone that you really loved. Like if you really love someone, would you feed them hamburgers and french fries three times a day, or would you feed them some, something that was healthy? I started to get sufficient rest, started caring for myself, um, I even indulged in a little bit of exercise and took time off 
took a vacation, took some friends in the fellowship to my camp and went fishing for the weekend. And uh, treated myself to spiritual retreats. And uh, my the first conference I treated myself to was Oklahoma City. I can't remember the year, uh, but it which it blew my mind away. That was a gift for myself. Eventually, I got to the place, you know, of working the steps in order, one through, one, two, three, four, the steps work. But eventually, I opened myself up to a new God, a loving God, a forgiving God. When I met him and I met with myself, I asked for forgiveness. I I opened myself with opened myself up to everything I had done, and some of it was disgusting. Some of it was uh, I'm not going to go there in an open mic, uh, but. Some of that was very hard for me to embrace. And this God embraced me, and I could, I could feel, uh, I could feel and sense the, the uh, compassion and the forgiveness and the openness and the love, and I wept. In fact, I wept, I convulsed, I, I, I there's so much fluid came out of me, it's like, <laughs> I thought I was going to dehydrate, but uh, and it was okay. There were all kinds of people around when this took place, and I didn't care. It was such. It was the most beautiful experience I had ever had in my life. And yet, I had confessed this stuff to to other people before, but it was only when I had confessed and had the belief in a God of the understanding that I have today that I made that real connection and I was home and it's awesome. Thanks Adrian for sharing. Uh, We will now open the floor uh, for sharing. Because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing during the meeting. If you wish to speak, please wait to be recognized by me. Please raise your hand and then come up to the chair that we have right here and I'll move the microphone over. You can speak directly into the microphone. Our purpose in sharing is to discuss our experience, strength, and hope in recovery. We focus on the SA 12-step approach to recovery. We don't discuss our other 12-step programs, philosophies, therapies, or occupations. We avoid mentioning specific titles or authors of publications other than SA or AA conference-approved literature. We also avoid using abusive language or sexually explicit descriptions. Our emphasis here is recovery, the solution, using the steps in our daily lives. 
And please remember that this meeting is being taped. The floor is now open for sharing. Hang back there. Good afternoon. My name is Matt, and I'm a gratefully recovering sexaholic. And I uh, had a little mishap after lunch, uh, which I won't get into, but because of that, I was running a little bit late, so I was rushing to this uh, meeting. And I walk in here, and I uh, hear the guest speaker speaking uh, uh, about step nine. I'm like, oh, man, that was one of the other meetings I was looking at. And, of course, it's right around the corner, so I thought, oh, geez, I messed up. I, I went to the wrong room. <laughs> You know, I said, I could have sworn I said Monmouth Room, but, you know, I must have been in my rush. I must have messed up. And, you know, but I said, you know what, that's okay because, you know, really there isn't a bad meeting here. Um, and I said, maybe this is where God wants me to be. And so I kept listening, and I thought, okay, I am at the right meeting, so I guess this is where I'm supposed to be. But the reason I mention that is because it's probably the biggest thing in regards to, uh, you know, forgiving myself and, and my, uh, my relationship with God is that, you know, I'm starting to come to accept things. You know, all throughout my life, my mother used to always tell me things happen for a reason. And I always thought, ah, oh, she's older. She doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> and uh, now I think back at so many things, and I'm like, man, she was, she was right so many times. Um, and, and it's just a good feeling to know that, you know, things happen for a reason. And, uh, you know, I can accept what has happened in my life. And... Uh, uh, I just was telling my wife yesterday that, you know, it was kind of a tough thing to say, but I said I wouldn't change a thing if I could go back to my childhood and change the way that I uh, intellectualized everything and processed things, I think, incorrectly, um, which, you know, helped contribute to me being, a, uh, you know, a sexaholic. I wouldn't change a thing because I, I'm, I'm so happy with the relationship I have with God that I have a relationship with God. Just up until recently, I didn't. I wouldn't have uh, the most unbelievable, compassionate, understanding wife and beautiful children. So even though I, I, I suffer at times during the day, um, you know, every day, uh, there's a lot of joy every day in my life, and I wouldn't change a thing. Now, granted, you know, I can accept and forgive myself, but all of a sudden when my wife's having a bad day and I see how much pain that I brought onto her life, uh, or at least uh, allowed the pain to get into her life, it's a little bit harder to forgive myself. But uh, but I forgive myself for being hard on myself. That's part of my thing about being gentle also. So it, it, it just goes back to acceptance. So, uh, you know, the biggest thing that I've learned in, in order to forgive myself is just accept things for the way they are and, and just try to stay on this path that I've been for a short amount of time uh, on my road to recovery and just keep remembering that, you know, uh, you know, God doesn't make junk uh, that I'm a beautiful person, and I just got to keep staying on the path and doing the, the next right thing and live 24 hours at a time. And it's, it's simple when I can think that way, as long as I can keep thinking that way. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Hi, Michael. It's uh, good to be here. Thank you for your share. Um, I related a lot to that idea that um, my God is, you know, vengeful and and uh, rageful, and um, but your God, you know, is compassionate, and loving. I mean, that's very much relate to that. In fact, 
you know, I used to see my God as a ruler, not in the sense that he ruled, but in the sense that he was a ruler, and I didn't measure up, you know. It was like I was supposed to uh, get to a certain level I never could. And, um, and then, you know, to be honest, I still struggle with that um, from time to time. And I was also just reflecting upon what forgiveness means. And uh, last year I did uh, some eight-step work and did, uh, I guess, what they call in the white book, the eight-and-a-half-step, and working on forgiving others who've, who've hurt me. And uh, I actually went through a process uh, of you know, writing down on leaves the name of people that had hurt me um, and, and saying prayers and throwing the leaves into, the, into a river near where I live with my sponsor there and us processing it together and um, realizing I never put my own name on it. And also, you know, thinking about what the, you know, I thought a lot at the time about what forgiveness means. And one of the things is that I'm not, I'm not going to hold anything against that person. I'm going to, you know, that, that um, I let go of any right or claim to um, ask for any kind of retribution or justice or anything like that. That it's, it's completely in God's hands and I'm just going to give it, give it over. And I never did that for myself. I never said I release the right not to come back and beat myself up over this. I'm going to hold on to all of the and, and so I realize that there's more forgiveness work to be done. Um, I'm sure there's probably more forgiveness work to be done on other people in my life. I mean, God brings up what I need to work on at the time, but I realize in, in being here that there's more forgiveness work that I need to do for myself and letting go of that. So thanks for sharing, and thanks uh, for this meeting. It's great. My name is Bruce, and I'm a sexaholic. Um, I have often uh, thought in recovery that with lust, lust is all, that's my default position of my brain. And, um, and it doesn't take much to, of a lust image to have a permanent imprint. You know, all, all I need is a nanosecond, and, and it's boom, and it's locked in there. Recovery, you know, my brain's like a sieve and, and I gotta pour it in and pour it in and pour it in and pour it in and if I ever stop pouring it in, it all flows out and, and that lust stuff still sticks. It also happens with me that I have that with being a judge and judgmental and self-critical and critical of others. That is my default position. I know it is. And when I wake up in the morning, that's how my brain is thinking. And, and so it's really important for me to, uh, every, all the time, hear affirmations about God's forgiveness, because that's the only way I can really forgive myself as well. And, and it's not going to be a permanent thing for me, because, uh, because my default position is not to forgive myself. And, and so I, I, I guess what this session really highlighted for me is just how necessary it is for me to be in a program and, and how grateful I am to be in a program where I can continually hear affirmations over and over again of, of forgiveness so that I can, at least for that hour, forgive myself. And, and, but I, 
like I said, I'm of the sort that after an hour after the meeting, I can still be judging somebody else, judging myself all over again, and then I need to uh, learn how to do that uh, moving forward as well. So uh, thanks for the topic. I appreciate it. Thank you. Sexaholic. And um, I grew up in a home where there was an emphasis on fear of the Lord and uh, very much a church-going family. And then later on with my studies and getting involved in ministry, um, I saw a forgiving God, but my home growing up, beside fear of the Lord, we were also uh, with my mother and being tied in with her and could become very judgmental. And it's easy for me to be compassionate to other people, um, compassionate with listening to other people, being caring, but I never allow that, as the Adrian said today or spoke about, I can never really do that for myself. Um, I'm very much my own worst critic, and um, I can, as an analogy, I could take the splinter out of everybody else's, but uh, I leave the plank in my own and not willing to realize um, that forgiveness is also open to me if I choose to accept it. It's something that I'm working on. It's part of my program that I need to continue to uh, grow because there is so much hope and promise if I simply embrace the steps and, and work on it. And I'm really glad to be here at this particular session, and thanks, everyone, for, for listening. Thank you. Hi, I'm uh, Pete, grateful for their humble sexaholic. Um, I'm just going to read from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, because that's what our fellowship is based on. Page 87, second paragraph. So I'm a little bit confused on self-forgiveness, and I've been gotten some guidance recently, and I'm still searching out. We ask ourselves, however, if others, oh, here we go. We especially ask for freedom from self-will, and are careful to make no request for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. And the way it's been explained to me, because I took like six months to do my fourth step. And I had to go to somebody in another fellowship to, who did the, the big book traditional format to do my uh, fifth and very quick period of time, two days, and then my sixth and seventh in one hour, as laid out by the big book. Um, and uh, I, I've recently done an um, entire resentment inventory with somebody, thank God, in, in, in two hours. Um, and my understanding of self-forgiveness is it's, it comes indirectly from working the steps. I appreciate Andrea have mentioned that. And it came along from working the steps and that in step three, I get a nice little pink cloud over my head, a relationship with a higher power of my understanding, who is loving and caring. But during that pink cloud, that wonderful, nice, warm feeling, I got to do my fourth step, uh, fourth step before it disappears. Otherwise, I'm right back to where I was. And uh, faith without works is dead. 
And that is mentioned at the end of every single step in the big book at Alcoholics Anonymous. Faith without works is dead. And it says immediately, move on to the next step. So uh, when I went to my sponsor, who isn't a big book guy, um, I was using the big book to do, to do my, my fourth because um, that's what I got from my higher power. And I did my fifth with him after I'd done it with somebody else. And he says, Pete, you're missing um, to do an amend um, later in the f- later steps to myself. And I says, oh, okay, you're right. He says, you should be at the top of the list, Pete, doing an amend to yourself. And I took that to somebody else. I shared around all my amends. It took, took me from a list of 80 down to like five. Um, because I, I thought I needed to amends to everybody. And it's like, n- no, my, my ego went from being this big down to this big when they said, no, did you really hurt these people? And, and by doing the, uh, you know, giving my character defects over to my higher power, I obtained self-forgiveness. It wasn't a direct result. It was indirect. And by me doing amends, I didn't do the amends for me. I did them for them. Indirectly, I got self-forgiveness. So I am selfish and self-centered at the core. Um, I'm doing 12-step work and taking people through the steps now because I'm selfish and self-centered because I have to carry the message, otherwise I lose it. Um, And that is on page 88 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, Sorry. Page 84. Working with others, 89. Practical experience shows us that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. If if it works when all other activities fail, this is our 12th suggestion. So it was explained to me that work isn't meaning uh, intensive work doesn't mean uh, you know telling someone to keep coming back at the end of a meeting. It means get through my steps quickly. That's my responsibility to me, to God, to my family and then carry the message to other suffering addicts. Thank you. Michael, recovering sexaholic. Hi, Michael. When I saw this topic, it jumped out at me. I'm in recovery for 15 years now, and it took me to this point. Um, I believe that, like the big book says, nothing happens in God's world by mistake. And um, 14 months ago, I did a a disclosure with my wife about the things that I've done, particularly one thing, and it all came to a head. And the work that I'm trying to do now is how do I forgive myself? Because what I did was not great. I'm not proud of it. It was worlds, worlds away from where I am today. And I keep bringing it up in a negative way because I'm not ready or haven't been ready to forgive myself. And when it says, what does it feel like to forgive myself, that makes me scared because that's acknowledgement of something that was really bad. That it doesn't mean acceptance. It means that I need to move forward from this because I'm going I'm to stay stuck. I'm going to stay stuck in this horrible self-repeating, you're a bad person mentality and never move forward. And that is the destruction of myself. This is an inside job, this program. I learned that over the years. All the work that I have done in the steps 
in my own personal work has brought me to this. Because it all comes down to this for me. If I can't forgive myself, there's no way I can forgive anyone. If I can't love myself, there's no way I'm loving anybody else. And to forgive myself doesn't mean that I say what I did was okay. I am today a recovering man who will never do what I did if I continue what I'm doing. That's a great acknowledgement of the work that I've done. Who it was that did what I did is just a baffle to me. I know there were drugs involved, and it was a whole different experience. I did not have the experience of a higher power and of a 12-step program. But every time, it's almost like going to the dentist. If you have a cavity and just keep saying, it'll get better, it'll get better, leave it alone, it gets worse. Once they open up the cavity and they open it and expose that root, it hurts every time they touch it. My root is now exposed, and I keep touching it, and it keeps hurting, but eventually they do a root canal. This is root canal work for me right now, because once that root comes out, it never hurts again. And I believe that through my higher power, because Michael would like to take this away right now, be done with it, have everyone say, great guy, wonderful, that ain't happening. But it's my job right now to do my own root canal. Because if I don't do my own root canal, I will continue the cycle of what a bad person I am. And that's devastating to growth. And I truly believe that I can't do that myself. I need a loving higher power to help me in partnership. Because if I could do it myself, frankly, I would be somewhere else today. I need all of you people and my higher power to do that because I don't know how to do it myself. I've never learned how to forgive myself. I really don't know how to forgive you. I can be angry with you. I can be extremely negative. But forgiving myself is a whole different plane. And I, I'm so glad that I'm at this particular session because I really believe that moving forward from here takes me to a next level, but not doing it alone because going it alone hasn't worked all this time. I am truly grateful that I'm able to talk about this stuff and to continually work on this because I'm getting better, I'm feeling better, and I'm starting to love myself even though what I did wasn't pretty. But I will never repeat it if I continue to stay the way I am because that is a, it's a progressive illness. And if I put my defenses down, I'm a dead man. And I will go back and do it again, which is very scary to me. Thank you. I'm Bill. I'm a lustaholic. Hi, y'all. Uh, boy, that last uh, speaker is, uh, uh, oh, he was beautiful. Uh, and uh, He told it like it is, and uh, I have to follow that. So let me start with, uh, I'm a, a periodic or, or even chronic slipper, uh, and uh, uh it bothers me. Uh, it's I think it's sin to go against uh, uh, the natural laws, uh, per, be, to be perverse, uh, to act on uh, on lust, uh, and uh, uh, so uh, I have been 
uh, receiving. And as I say, I, I, I get angry with myself, and and, uh, uh, and I can't uh, uh, I can't get over it until I go before God and admit my sin and uh, uh, in a sacrament of confession, sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, and inevitably, not inevitably, every time uh, I, I let my, uh, my bad behavior uh, get let go of it, uh, and receive absolution. Uh, I'm, I'm cleansed. I'm uh, my mind. Peace comes to my mind. Uh, it it works every time. But like I say, my problem is I, I uh, I'm a repeat uh, offender. Uh, so um, yeah, I just want to bring that out. Uh, I'm much harder on myself than. Uh, my, high, my highest power, my creator God. Uh, and uh, uh, I think, uh, uh, I think it, it works uh, uh, even without the presence of a priest. So uh, y'all consider that uh, for your souls. Thank you. Hello, uh, I'm Ken, uh, recovering sexaholic. Hi. Um, well, uh, God has blessed me the last few years with a great deal of recovery, and therefore He must have forgiven me. Uh, so I need to catch up in my thoughts about forgiving myself. And. Uh, before I go to that, you know, there's been some miracles along the way, and it's happened without my will or control. Uh, a lot of miracles. But one source of my acting out has been to punish myself over the years and, and running away from some very harsh realities. And... Punishing myself by continuing this disease uh, was not going to bring my father back. And running away from painful things in life uh, to my own world or not facing the world at large uh, didn't help me. So recovery now is giving me some tools to face the world and see it. Um, and all I, all I can say is I hope I can forgive myself, uh, own up to what I did do, know the difference between things that had nothing to do with me, stay away from blame, fear, uh, I don't know where to go from here, but I just instinctively knew that this meeting was for me to find a way to, in some deep way, forgive myself. And uh, I think for a long time I've avoided uh, really facing myself with this disease. Oh, uh, 
you know, I had these problems and I had these advantages, but the last few weeks, maybe coming up to this meeting, I've been mourning and pretty sad and kind of looking back at a lot of losses, lost, lost time, energy, uh, preoccupation with this disease, uh, losing money, losing creativity, uh, losing my sanity. And now I look at things from a position of, well, I, I can deal with life. And I'm just hoping to get to the point of being able to forgive myself for uh, my uh, uh, abusing myself. Thanks. Hi, everybody. Marie C. and uh, Bert Rudecombe, sexaholic. Uh, some really, uh, really good shares today. I'm glad I came to this uh, workshop today. Um, I myself, I've been in the program for about, I guess, about 10 years now, since 97, and uh, on and off, in and out. Uh, but for the past three years, four months, six days, I've had uh, sobriety. Uh, and it feels absolutely fantastic. I find myself more at ease, uh, not as uptight, uh, more easier going. And talk about blessings. Um, my wife and I, uh, a little more than two years ago, went over to Guatemala and adopted a child. And, uh, you know, that... Uh, that just goes to show what, what can be in store when they say, you know, my higher power being myself is God. And uh, he just uh, gave me all the joy in the world because my son is everything now to me. Um, really tremendous gift. And uh, But I, I grew up a Catholic. And, uh, you know, my mother was, I, I call her the holy roller, you know. If you were... Uh, if the priest was a step on the altar and I came in, I'd have to go back to another church to, to a whole another mass because I was late. That's how much obsessed she was with with it. Um, I didn't go to Catholic school. My other brothers and sisters all did. I could have gone, but <laughs> I was afraid of the nuns when I was little in kindergarten. So I went to public school. But uh, yeah, I this feeling of um, of God forgot all about the, the things I did through my acting out. He, for, he, he forgot about it all, okay? Once I came to help, he just forgot about it. It's me. I held on to it. That was me. I, I couldn't forgive myself. I always thought I wasn't good enough to get a child. Well, forget about it. I, you know, I don't, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve that, you know? But, you know, it takes a long time, I think, to, to realize that uh, that I do have to accept the fact that I'm a good person. And I just have a sickness that when I came to help, God heard me and helped me. But I, you know, you'll saying God helps those who help themselves. So thank you. Hello, everybody. My name is Jim, recovering sexaholic. Hi, Jim. Um, 
with the shares today is great, and I'm glad I came to this one too. Um, I mean, when I first lashed out of my problem, I turned. I was turning 50, and it was like, all right, your life's over. You're no, you know, you're you're not going to last any longer. And um, but my wife, how good she is, throws me a big party. Blah blah blah. So. I figured that. I figured my life was over. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's what I did. And what I did is I um, lashed out, spent a lot of money, blah, 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 and uh, thinking, oh, nobody's going to find out. I could still do this. And, but she found out anyway. And I was dead in the water. And it was like, okay, what do you do now? And... Um, I didn't know. It, it's hard because with I know of my higher power and, and stuff like that, that he's forgiving, and, but never got it. Never got that part that he could forgive me for what I did. And I was like, nah. And even now, sometimes right, right up to this day, I uh, can't get that he forgives me for what I do because... I have bipolar, and right now I'm up on a high like this, and all of that, and I don't know when it's going to level out, but I'm driving my family crazy, and uh, without God in our lives, like I said, I don't know where I'd be, divorced or whatever, but my wife loves me and puts up me. <laughs> I just shake my head and say, why? Why does she put up with me? And she does. She forgives me for all the stupid things I say. And I hurt her feelings a lot still to this day. But that's part of my illness. And um, I have, I do take medicine for my illness. And they still haven't found the right one to uh, level me off. So, and... Uh, with God, if it wasn't for my God, like I said, I'd be out of the house. I'd, she was told by my pastor that she had all the right to leave me, and she didn't. She hung in there, and we've been married 25 years, which is a gold, which I still can't believe that she's with me. So that's just what I wanted to say, and uh, with all the uh, other shares, they were very good. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Jeff. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Jeff. I'm really grateful to be here, and I'm really grateful for all the shares I've heard so far. And, um, this this uh, thing about self-forgiveness has been our top plate for my program for a while now. Um, I think it was probably about a year ago I was having a conversation with an old-timer in the program from where I live. It was, having a, it was going pretty well. You know, we're talking about how things are going and how the promises are coming true for me. And then out of the blue, you know, like old timers do, they ask, well, how are you doing and forgiving yourself? And it just ended right there. I didn't have an answer for the guy. And I knew I had a problem. And uh, I knew I wasn't going to get anywhere until I could give him a good answer. And I'm still working on that answer, to tell you the truth. But I know what's worked for me so far is uh, um, I had to do a few things that seemed to help. Number one, I had to quit doing bad stuff. seems I had a pretty big backlog. So uh, I had to quit building to that. 
I had to, uh, that helped a lot. Working the steps, of course, immeasurable. Working the steps helped me forget myself, forgive myself. I had to know what forgiveness was. It doesn't mean erasing stuff. I had to get humble, which just meant seeing myself as, as I really was, um, that I was a sick sexaholic. I had a lot of defects of character, and they were all at work. I had to accept that, which means for me I had to accept that I was going to mess up again, and I was going to keep messing up uh, because I'm imperfect. I didn't have to go back to my old way of life. I didn't have to start acting out again, but I'm going to carry these defects of character forever. But I have tools to work with them. I have tools to use uh, when things don't work out so well, and I've hurt somebody or hurt myself. I had to let go of all the preconceptions and then... Uh, the tough thing that I always hate in this program is I had to take action. I had to do something about it. <laughs> that always gets me. You know, the thing that in the end, at the end of the day I started getting into it and starting to get a good concept of myself, getting through the steps, uh, learning about my defective characters, that you honestly look at them, not the ones that I want them to be, the ones that they really were. <clears throat> and I started to get a good sense of who I was. And then I, early on in the program, uh, to keep sober, I had to forgive somebody who was hurting me a lot. <clears throat> and uh, one of the first things really that happened well for me in the program was being able to forgive forgive this person. And I, in order to get there, I had to make an agreement to myself never ever to hurt this person ever again, never to be mean to him ever again. And, and I talked to this person a lot, and it was hard to do, and I had to look hard at myself. And the weird thing is I hadn't done it for myself. So about seven, eight months ago, about eight months ago, I made the same problems for myself, that I was just going to quit beating myself up. I was never going to be mean to myself ever again. I'm not going to talk to myself like that anymore. And, you know, I wasn't going to do the stuff to myself that if I saw someone else doing it to me, I'd say, hey, could you please stop doing that to me? So I don't know. I made myself that problem eight months ago. I've been sober seven months seems to be working out okay. So, uh, and what it feels like is pretty good. I can't, ex I, I can't really describe the feeling other than a great sense of relief and connection. Uh, I've never really experimented with forgiving myself before, so I'll keep you all posted. But it feels pretty good. I'm grateful to be here. Thanks for the share. Brian, I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Brian. Hi, everybody. It's good to be sober today. Um, you know, it's really easy to get up here and preach a sermon. It is harder than hell to tell your story. Um, you got to actually keep track of some stuff. Um, I used to have a really good program. I kept my hands out of my pants for a long time, and I made a lot of amends and did a whole lot of stuff. And, um, you know, my program got me into a, a absolutely awful relapse and um, before that had really gotten going I moved kind of in between two different intergroups it was you know 45 minutes to one to one set of meetings or 45 minutes to the meetings I had been going to for a lot of years and there was kind of a difference in the two groups the uh, the one was kind of where I was moving from was kind of falling apart and the, the intergroup that I was moving to was really moving towards unity and I liked that about those guys but I couldn't kind of fit in with them I guess because I was I and um, after this re and and uh, 
you know, I remember over the summer a couple of those guys came down and spoke at one of the meetings was at, and it just felt like an invading army had come in. And, um, you know, the one guy tells a story, and in his story he called me a jackass by name, and it was awful. And then I got in a fight with another guy after the meeting. And uh, when it got bad enough, I went back up there because I really needed help, and I just said, help me. And um, I knew that was like the last stop on the block. And they did. And um, this wee thing, I started to hear this wee thing. My sponsor said to me, I went whining to him about my all my problems I was having, especially finances, and he said, we will deal with that. You just got to be sober right now. Keep your hands out of your pants and go to the meeting. And I heard the we'll deal with that, and that gave me a lot of hope. You know, not you'll work that out when you get to it. It was we'll deal with that. And um, I just started going to a meeting, you know, six days out of the week. I'd go up there and, you know, I get there on time, and then I stay for hours. I usually, you know, the meeting starts at 7, 30, 8 o'clock. I don't get home until 12 or 1 o'clock a lot of nights. And uh, one night, the two guys, that one that called me a jackass and the other one was fighting with me, I'm standing having a talk with them, and uh, it occurred to me, oh, my God, I, I'm like, I'm in there with them. I always saw them as a clique because they were college buddies, and, you know, I couldn't fit in, and it occurred to me, wow, I'm in there. And um, the, one of those two guys really helped me out. I called him up, and he told me about a problem he was having. When I was in that scenario and had a big sobriety date and, you know, guys that were slipping called me, I would, you know, tell them I'm fine, you know, and tell them what they need to do with themselves, and he just told me a story and I felt like I fit in or I felt like kind of honored that he would actually talk to me about what was going on and uh, another time I was standing with my my new sponsor and uh, a good friend of mine who were both like six feet tall and I had the experience even being as tall as them I was so fitting in in the moment with them and I pulled back for a second thought wow you know for years I've been coming to these meetings and you know what the hell trick do I do what do I say how do I impress these guys how do I fit in and you know, I said that to my sponsor, and he said to me, you know, I said something about always feeling like they didn't like me. He said, Brian, what's not to like? You're the, you're the spitting image of me. And that just lit me <laughs> That just lit me up. And, um, you know, that uh, I'm real free to be part of me or part of the we up there. I don't, uh, you know, a lot of my problems just go away. I go to meetings every day with those guys, and, you know, my, my wife is uh, has uh, mental issues and doesn't take her medication when she's supposed to, and she ran away from home with the kids. And uh, it occurred to me in that process, like I just bitched and whined the whole time and called guys and guys called me. I mean, one, one guy sitting in a room called me like five times that day. How are you doing? He would talk to me and listen to that awful whining for a while. Say, All right, it was like right before Christmas. All right, I got to run in the store here. I'll call you back later. He wasn't kidding. He came out of the store. He called me right back. And at the end of the day, I realized I didn't do shit here. These guys got me. They did the heavy lifting. I just bitched the whole way while they dragged me. And uh, it, it, it started to make sense. And, you know, if I'm part of that we, I'm, I'm forgiven. Like, I just kind of get that from God. And, I, 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 you know, if I need to forgive myself, it's news to me. I'm not disputing that. I'm just having an experience of being forgiven. Like, I, I have a purpose now in life to try and carry the message that's carried to me and the rest of my work is to get me out of the way so I can, you know, convey that. And um, so it's been it's been good to be here, and uh, I'm glad to be sober. Thanks.
I'm supposed to summarize what we learned uh, today, so I'd like to share a quick story. Uh, last summer, uh, my dad called me up, and I was sitting down eating dinner, and he said, uh, well, how's the weather, and blah, 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 and he said, I got a personal question. I said, yeah? He goes, have you been running around repaying people for things that you stole from them? And I said, yeah, Dad, I have. He goes, you don't need to do that. I said, all right. And he said, Every, everybody, we've all forgiven you. He says, those things are water under the bridge. It's all, it's all long gone. And I said to him, you know what? Dad, I, I understand that. And he's like, and if it's you're not forgiving yourself and you got to do something, you know, he says, that's what confession's for. And, and you go and, and the priest absolves you. And, and I said, I know, Dad, I know. And I said, but I said, I never forgave them. And I didn't mean to say that. But I said, I never forgave them. More than half of the people on my amends list were people that I had resentments towards. I hurt them because they hurt me, damn it. And so I made amends to them. And in doing that, I didn't have to hate myself for what I did to them anymore. I'd like to thank everyone for sharing. Remember, this is an anonymous program. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. The stories you hear are told in confidence and should not be repeated outside except on the CD. Please keep any names, addresses, or phone numbers you learn about essay to yourself and what we say here. Let it stay here. After a moment of silence, we'll say the third step prayer. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.